Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 393. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, bringing you a conversation with a guest who has been on Therapy Chat once previously this year, talking about EMDR, and the guest is Rotem Brayer. Rotem is a licensed professional counselor, a certified EMDR therapist, EMDR consultant, and an advanced EMDR trainer. And he's the founder of the EMDR Learning Community, a community that brings EMDR therapists together and provides education on EMDR therapy and the integration of this modality with other treatment approaches. As the co-founder of EMDR Denver, a practice that helps clients heal with an EMDR-first approach, 
Pro Tim divides his time between consulting on cases, coaching EMDR therapists, and helping clients heal from the effects of trauma and attachment wounds. Last time, Pro Tim was telling us about the art and science of EMDR with a focus on the creative aspects of the method rather than the very protocol-based way of working with it that so many therapists have learned. So this time we expanded upon that with Rotem talking about how he uses EMDR in connection with psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. So as you probably have heard, if you've been listening to Therapy Chat for a while, I'm really curious about the potential of psychedelic-assisted psychotherapies as long as they are trauma-focused, trauma-sensitive, trauma-competent, trauma-conscious, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's something that I believe can be beneficial in healing from trauma if the if the right precautions are taken and i'm still learning about that but you know i'm very cautious and cautiously optimistic about the potential so i had a lot of questions for road temp and i'm going to be talking more with some other guests this year and next year about psychedelic assisted psychotherapy i really want to get into the nuances of it and i've got a lot of ideas and plans for interviews about that So before we dive into our conversation, I also want to mention to you that if you are not a subscriber to my email list, I would love to invite you to get a free download of the five common mistakes that people make when searching for a trauma therapist, which is a just a PDF download, nothing super long and involved. But in addition to the five common mistakes, there are a lot of resources and recommendations available on that PDF. So check that out. There's a link in the show notes to sign up for the email list if you'd like to do that. And if you do, you'll hear about everything that's coming up, like my upcoming plans to be in London for the Not Your Typical Psychotherapist Conference. So I hope that those of you who live in the UK If you might be in London the first week of September, maybe we can meet up. I always love meeting listeners and talking with other therapists who know about therapy chat and trauma therapists. So I'm trying to arrange some kind of meetup or gathering. My plans are not firmed up yet, so I don't know exactly what's happening, but it'll be around the first week of September, so 2023. So look for more on that. And if you are on my email list, you'll be hearing all about it. Also wanted to say that there's something really cool happening if you're a therapist. And if you're not a therapist, if you're someone who's interested in learning about dissociation, understanding dissociation, then I want to tell you about something very exciting coming up with a friend of the podcast, previous guest. Actually, there's a couple things, but what I'm particularly thinking of right now is Jamie Marich has a course on dissociation. Their course is called Understanding Dissociation, an insider's view on helping dissociative clients. And there's a free webinar that you can watch. And and then watching the webinar gives you access to the registration information for the course. 
I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Someone else who has a really cool program coming out and who is a prior podcast guest is my friend Elizabeth Guthrie, Dr. Elizabeth Guthrie, who's an herbalist. She'll be heard on another episode soon, very soon, talking about this. But in the meantime, let me tell you, Elizabeth has a program called Explore Your Healing Garden of Unique Plant Allies. It's a free online event, and she will have a course coming out after this online event that's happening in just a few days. So I don't know if you'll hear this in time, but the course is coming through the Shift Network, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. If you don't get to catch the free online event, it will be recorded. But if you don't get to watch that, um, you can find out about the course in the link that's in the show notes. So be sure to check that out because, I don't know, I really appreciate Elizabeth's trauma-informed approach to herbalism. If you know me, you know I want things to be at least trauma-informed, trauma-sensitive, trauma-conscious, safe for people who have trauma, which almost all of us do at this point, because trauma's right there under the surface and Things we do to dive deeper can also take us there and it can be very overwhelming and unexpected what can come up when that happens. So there's nothing wrong with getting activated and having traumatic material come to your awareness so that you can work with it. But if you don't understand what's happening, there is something wrong. It's extremely overwhelming. It can be terrifying. So just want everyone to be able to feel safe as much as possible. And so that matters a lot to me. Okay, so let's dive into my conversation with Rotem Breyer about EMDR and psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. And if you like this episode and you haven't done so already, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It helps more people find the show and lets me know if I'm on the right track. So I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so happy to have a returning guest for the second time, Rotem Breyer. Rotem, thanks so much for coming back to Therapy Chat today. Thanks for having me, Laura. You're welcome. I'm so eager to get into this conversation that we kind of danced with talking about last time. You know, we said, oh, let's come back and do that. But the audience doesn't even know. I know they're going to love it. So what we wanted to talk about today is something new you're doing using EMDR and combining that work with psychedelic assisted therapy. So really excited to hear how how you're using this and what you want people to know about it. But before we get into it, let's just start off with you telling our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm Rotem. I am the author of the Art and Science of EMDR, co-founder of EMDR in Denver, a practice that takes an, an EMDR first approach to treatment. And what we're going to talk about today that I've been doing a lot lately is combining or integrating psychedelic assisted psychotherapy and EMDR therapy. And I'm really, really excited to share that with your audience because I've been seeing results beyond what I thought would be possible in psychotherapy. And I think these two modalities 
are still powerful, but when you combine them together, you get more kind of like the the sum is larger than the parts. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really transformative. It's exciting. I'm really, I'm really excited to hear about it. I know I always say on the show how excited I am, but I really am because one of the things, as you know, I'm not an EMDR therapist. And one of the things that I've been kind of following what's going on with psychedelics and, you know, being curious, being kind of cautious and like hopeful and also, you know, skeptical of what I'm hearing. And because some people are like, it's the greatest thing in the world. And other people are like, watch out, it's very dangerous. And, you know, I've heard some clients have positive and negative experiences. But additionally, some things that we do, and I'm sure this is probably true with EMDR, because I know it's true with a few other modalities I've worked with, you can have kind of a psychedelic experience without any medicine. So I can only wonder what happens when you put the two together. It's like, wow, I'm, it's like, so as soon as you said you were doing that, I was like, oh my, I need to hear, how does this work? What, what's it like? So, I mean, let's just start off with like, what, what types of medicines are you using with this or how are, how are you even bringing this together? Good question. So currently I'm only using ketamine, which is Mm -hmm. the only legal way to do psychedelic assisted psychotherapy right now. Still side. So I'm, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and we are, you know, the state of Colorado is very progressive when it comes to, to that area. So recently we legalized psilocybin mushrooms, but when it comes to psychotherapy, it's very gray still. And mm. I don't want to mess with gray. So I'm I waiting. I, I'm waiting. I want to say patiently, but no, not so patiently. I'm waiting for the day in about a year and a half, maybe two years that I will be able to, to use psilocybin in psychotherapy. And right now the state elected a board and they're making a lot of decisions about what it's going to look like. But right now, I can use ketamine. Like many other people, I was skeptical about ketamine. It has kind of like a bad reputation, special K. It's a, you know, club drug. But what we need to remember, Laura, about all psychedelics, and, you know, you said that some people have good and bad experiences with psychedelics, is that a lot of what happens in a session, in any it's it's not even in a therapy session, but with any psychedelics, it's the set and the setting. What is the expectation? What is what is the therapist expecting? What does the client expect to get out of it? That's the set. And the setting is what does it look like? Is is it in a in an office? Is it in a in nature outside? Is it done when there's risk of you know like a lot of people use psychedelics in in you know raves or or parties when they can potentially get arrested for for having these drugs so they have all these you know kind of like paranoia and i think that the fact that we're doing it legally now with prescription so it's a prescribed medicine has a lot 
effect on a lot of positive effect on what we're doing in psychedelic assisted therapy in general and psychedelic assisted EMDR therapy that I'm going to explain a little bit in a few minutes. I think that as always, we need to remember the therapeutic relationships. So it's really important. It has a lot to do with the set and setting to have strong therapeutic relationship. It can be really, really weird for people to take these medicines and then to sit with a, a complete stranger. So I'm really trying to do it with established clients that the therapeutic relationship has already been formed. And then, you know, EMDR is a great modality. It's the, you know, my, like I said, I have an EMDR first approach, but sometimes you hit roadblocks, sometimes you get stuck. And I think that with psychedelics, it really helps when we get stuck with certain things. Yeah. Well, I know that it can take people beyond limitations that they may not, you know, like barriers that they may encounter when they're not using the medicine are removed. And that's kind of one of the good and bad things about it, I guess. You know, it's only bad if it feels unsafe to the person and they can't, you know, integrate. Exactly. You know, so bad trips, for example, don't happen when you do it right. When you do it in a therapeutic setting and the clients are not afraid to go toward hard things. That that That's a key element. This is one of the correlations that I found with EMDR and psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. You're not trying to run away from things you're going toward. And I think that a lot of times for people who've been traumatized, there's a natural inclination to run away from, even if it's not conscious, from, from traumatic memories or experiences. And psychedelics really help people to do that. So until Francine Shapiro, who developed the MDR, talked about dual tension, James Fadiman, who is one of the fathers or I don't know, maybe grandfathers at this point of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy talked about awareness of polarity, which I think are very two similar concepts when it comes to being able to look at the traumatic experience and also feel it, but also look at it, observe it, not only be in it because you can't learn from it if you're that that's basically the definition of re-traumatization right like if a client just goes back to the trauma but we're not processing it so so this is one thing the other thing the other correlation that i find is that both uh foster the integration of neural networks in the brain so with emdr and we have a lot of research in both emdr and psychedelic assisted psychotherapy that something happens that doesn't happen in your day-to-day -day life or even during regular psychotherapy, there's a lot of integration of neural networks. And that's, you know, possibly one of the, the things that we can explain when we're looking at insight, people getting insight from the work. It may be due to this integration of neural networks in the brain. So 
Rotem, would you, just for someone who's listening who's really not familiar with integration of neural networks, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean when you say that? I know this episode's going to get a lot of interest from people, so, you know, it might not just be people who have been regular listeners. Right, right, right. So, so let me just say before I explain it, sometimes looking at a visual can be really, really helpful. So if you get Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, he has um, he has these two images that were done in the UK by Carhart Harris, who's done a lot of research on psychedelics. And, and basically, they created a visual representation of the brain on placebo and on psilocybin mushrooms. And what you see is that there's not only more activity in the brain while people are using psychedelics, but you see these networks that usually don't fire at the same time. So there's no integration. Uh. Usually if this network is in this side, on this side of the brain, this network is on the other side of the brain. They don't talk to each other. And during a psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy or during a psychedelic experience and during EMDR, networks that usually don't fire at the same time. So when I say fire, I mean electrical activity. They start firing together. And again, that leads to a lot of insights that are not accessible in the day-to-day normal consciousness. Just to give you a little background. So Aldous Huxley is was a philosopher. He wrote The Doors of Perception many years ago, I think in the 50s. And he talked about the reducing valve of consciousness. It's something that we all have and it helps us survive in the day-to-day life, right? We don't, we, we can't be aware of everything. We need to focus on certain things, but it has a price too, because there's so much that we're missing. Mm-hmm. And when we're using psychedelics, we're really getting access to information that is not accessible in the day-to-day consciousness. I feel like you had a question and I kind of <laughs> diverted. it. Oh, you did, because I was asking about, you know, what does it mean when you're talking about integrating neural networks? And, and, oh, I, and so what I, I hear... answer your question. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> what I hear is that, like, how... Our cognition goes offline when our trauma reaction is coming up, for example. And, you know, if you can have your cognition and your trauma information or material accessible, or, you know, you can experience the emotion and the memory without being flooded, things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to spend just a couple of minutes, Laura, talking about the history of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, if that's okay. Sure. So I think that'd be great. In in the 50s and 60s, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of studies that showed the efficacy of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy to treat a variety of conditions like alcoholism, depression, OCD, anxiety, and even end of life. So when, you know, people in, in hospice toward the end of their lives, there was a lot of research. And then, you know, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it, but the government was concerned that people will have independent way of thinking. There was Vietnam War and people started saying, hey, why, why should I go in there and fight? And it was like, 
that that didn't that didn't align with what the government wanted people to do. So in the late sixties, beginning or early seventies, all these medicines and I intentionally called them medicines became illegal. So they became Schedule One drugs like heroin and methamphetamine and cocaine, even though there were hundreds and hundreds of studies that showed how effective these medicines are. The government was studying it a lot. The government was studying it too. uh, So they knew the good effects. Oh, absolutely. They're studying it. It's really interesting. They're studying from a slightly different perspective. So, So the CIA was actually studying, you know, LSD and how maybe it can be used in, you know, in, in certain war situations, but yeah, I, I can spend a lot of time talking about that. And I think, well, that I'll just, we I'll have, just add to yeah. what you're saying that there was definitely a racism and social control aspect to why these medicines were made illegal. And, you know, the recordings that have been released about president Nixon's private conversations in the white house, yes. very clearly Illuminated yeah. that it was an intentional effort to basically silence the counterculture movement that was anti-war and also to create division between white and black people to prevent civil rights. So just let's put that out there. I mean, that's an important. Yeah, absolutely. It did uh, cause I, a lot of harm to both of those efforts that were trying to really do something positive. Right. And if, if your listeners want to learn more about this, I highly recommend Michael Pollan's This Is Your Mind on Plants. And this is as opposed to This Is Your Brain on Drugs, which was President Nixon's campaign. So Michael Pollan wrote this book, This Is Your Mind on Plants. And he talks a lot about what you just mentioned, Laura, all this racism and he you know, it brought it brings some interviews with people who were advisor Nixon's advisors and basically saying this was not a coincidence. There was intention there. Yeah. We're not anti government conspiracy theorists. This is just history. Oh no, no. This is facts. This, yeah. this is based on facts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think we should kind of go back to the the psychedelic effect and integration with the EMDR. So EMDR is is an extremely effective psychotherapy. I it, in my experience, I have not seen therapy that is more transformative. But even with EMDR, sometimes with certain clients, you get stuck. And what the psychedelics do in this situation is really helping the client to get into into outside of their normal state of consciousness. There are a lot of, and there's more and more research now about psychedelics and I would say the cousin of psychedelics, MDMA. So MDMA is the active ingredient in a drug called ecstasy or molly. But but the pure drug itself is MDMA. And there, there are a lot of research. It's taking a long time for the FDA to approve it, but MDMA is actually considered breakthrough therapy when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder. So what is these medicines do is help the client to be outside of their normal 
state of consciousness. But as opposed to other medicines, like, you know, I'm thinking SSRI, like Prozac or, you know, anti-anxiety medications or, or any, any other psychopharmacological treatment, when we're taking these medicines, they're helping us during, you know, during the time that they're in our system. But once we stop taking the medication, we stop taking Prozac, yeah. it's not helping you anymore. It doesn't heal something inside. It just changes right. you while you're on it. Exactly. Exactly. And and what, what you see with psychedelics is that they really have this ability to lead to what we call trait change as opposed to state change. And and this is, again, another correlation that I see with the EMDR because EMDR is this therapy that leads to trait change. People who do EMDR and when EMDR is done successfully, it leads to trait change. So the, the, it's, it's not that all the problems are gone, but certain memories that were used to be traumatic or psychological turn into more objective or neutral memories. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. That's yeah, that's so promising is that it's not it's not just like, you know, it's like if you drink a glass of wine or a beer when you want to feel a little bit more relaxed, it doesn't make you stay relaxed. But when you right. do these medicines or a treatment like EMDR, it makes real change in the brain. Right, right. So one of the things that we're sometimes struggling with is to maintain this this what we call dual attention, which is necessary for the success of EMDR. You need to be in the memory and you need to observe the memory at the same time. And again, some people's trauma, and when I say trauma, I, I obviously I, I mean also attachment wounds. Some Those can be harder to get to because they're nonverbal. Right. So these right, would right. be more even more accessible this way. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. No, 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 no. It, it's a really good point because the, the nonverbal piece is, is, a, is a really, really important piece. But, and I'm going to get to it in a second, but I think that it's important to look at this dual attention and how can we help clients get into dual attention? So in, in EMDR therapy, the way I do it with low dose of ketamine, relatively low dose, people can really get into that that state. Now, there are different approaches. It's kind of like a wild west when it comes to psychedelic assisted psychotherapy right now. There are all these organizations that provide training and they develop protocols and they 
don't always consistent with what, you know, so different organizations have different beliefs about what works and what doesn't. I, you know, my guiding, guiding principle is always what's best for the client. So in the way I do it is as opposed to giving a high dose of ketamine, which a lot of ketamine treatment for depression is done that way in injectable form, for example, intramuscular, I use sublingual. So people put it under the tongue and again, a relatively low dose of sublingual ketamine. And while they're under the influence of ketamine, we're actually doing the EMDR work. Now that is not possible if you're using higher doses because in higher doses, ketamine has a more psychedelic effect. And when you use it in a lower dose, it's not getting so intense for the client. They can, they can definitely feel it, but it's not to a point that they're kind of get lost in a, in a psychedelic, in an intense psychedelic experience. Okay. I mean, this is really helpful. I wanted to ask you just specifically, like how you do it, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I can, I can talk more about specifics. I'm happy to talk about that. This is why we're talking. So Usually I do somewhere between three and four hour sessions. So if, you know, if you're doing psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, any form of, you know, psychedelic or using medicine, you can do a 50 minute session that that's not realistic. So I usually spend three to four hours and we're starting with clients land on the floor you know, I have a, a special mattress and a heavy blanket and they put eye shades on and we put music and they spend the first hour relaxing. Let, let me backtrack for a second because before we start that, we're talking about intentions. Intentions for the session are really important. And we talk about it in previous sessions too, you know, kind of like planning, but we're also setting the intention at the beginning of the session, then we spend about an hour. Now, when I say about an hour, it can be 45 minutes. It can be hour and a half. And sometimes it can be two hours. They're spending with just letting the medicine do what it does and listening to music and relaxing. And then the second part, which again, I would say about an hour, but it can be more, it can be less. We're doing EMDR reprocessing. Which again, not possible with higher doses, but definitely possible with low doses of sublingual ketamine. And then when we're processing, a lot of times this is where, you know, the magic of EMDR happens in the, in the reprocessing phases. And I really, I really love this work because I, I see people getting into places that they cannot get into without these medicines. And so I'm happy to talk about that more in a minute, but just want to kind of talk about the structure. It's really important to do some integration. So I don't want to do processing and then, oh, we're out of time in the middle of processing. We need to take some time to get back, kind of talk about, first of all, what did we learn today? What are we taking from it? And then if we need to use some closing regulation techniques before the client goes back home, 
we do that too. There are a lot of things to cover. Mm -hmm. For example, clients are not driving to and from a psychedelic session. So ideally they get a ride. If they don't get a ride, they take Uber or Lyft, but definitely nobody drives. There is a separate informed consent form that they have to sign because it, it is still kind of experimental treatment, at least, you know, according to the law. Again, I think that the people are already using this treatment to see how mm -hmm. effective it is, but the FDA takes a little bit of time to, to regulate things. So I mentioned the processing, but it can be really any phase of EMDR. So phase two of, of EMDR is preparation, for example. Some, some clients are not able to connect with certain regulations. So we just, we do a lot of resourcing in phase mm -hmm. two. We're helping clients, you know, connect with, and again, this is very individual. Some clients can use yoga poses and some clients can use, think about spiritual figures, for example, or supportive figures or nurturing figures. And sometimes in the day-to-day -day consciousness, because of this, you know, reducing vault that I mentioned that Aldous Huxley was talking about, Clients are not able to really access that, but when we are, when they are in that state, they're really able to feel it. And this is an understanding. You mentioned the, the nonverbal piece, Laura. This is an, a deeper understanding than our cognitive, logical understanding. And this is the real transformation. That's, that's where real transformation happens. Michael Pollan used the word ineffable in his books to, to describe this experience that is really hard to put into words, but it's an experience. And it's a, again, it's a deeper, deeper level of understanding. You know, the, the Buddhists talk about non-dualism. So there's no separation of object and subject. There's no you and me. It's just seeing. Uh, a, a larger picture of what is going on here. And people really get access to these states, which is really exciting. You know, we, we have these tools now. We have these medicines. I think that, you know, as much as we like to complain about, you know, modern times and, you know, how maybe it's not safe to walk down the street, I think being a therapist in 2023 is really exciting that we can do these things. It's kind of like a renaissance of these medicines, which, by the way, when you look at psilocybin, for example, it's been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years in certain cultures. We, in the West, we only know about it since, you know, 1955, 56, but it's been used in indigenous cultures as a medicine for many, many years. I think one of the problems that we're running into is research. So the gold standard of research is double-blind control studies. And this is something that you cannot do with psychedelics. You can be double-blinded because, you know, double-blind means that both the, you know, the subject and the researcher don't know who took placebo and who took the medicine. And I think it becomes very, very clear who took the medicine after a, a relatively short period of time. So, so you can't do these 
studies using the gold standard of, of, of research. But I think that, and this is our, our, our arrogance as human beings that have this Western culture that this is the only way that we're looking at things. If it doesn't match this, if it doesn't fit this model, then it's not valid or reliable. And this is not true. I mean, you just need to do it to experiment and, and to really see that there's, it's working. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Agree, 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 agree. And I will say too that, you know, arrogance, you're right. It's it's a Eurocentric perspective that what science is, what is the gold standard when people have humans have done their own qualitative research for thousands of years with these medicines and the you know, the Eurocentric view is that's not real evidence, but. Right, right. So luckily we do have some evidence because there's more. I mentioned um, Carhart Harris from the UK who does a lot of research and they're doing a lot of brain scans and they're using, you know, tools like functional MRI when people are under the influence of psychedelics. And what we see, and this is another correlation, that we see, we see changes in the default mode network of the brain. So the default mode network is kind of like a hub of where different networks are talking with each other. And it's being considered as the, the, the network of the stealth. So when, when you're not doing anything, when you're not involved in a cognitive task, let's say you're waking up at two o'clock in the morning, and you're not doing anything, you're just thinking, you tend to think about yourself, about, we, we all have that. It's, it's, it's human nature, right? We're, we're thinking about ourselves from our own perspective. And when we're involved in a cognitive task, this network, it's, it's not one network, it's kind of like a network of networks, tends to slow down, to quiet down. So what we see both in EMDR or as a result of EMDR and psychedelics is that the default mode network quiets down. So it stops being, the world stops being about me and myself and my problems and my issues. We can see a bigger picture. I think another interesting correlation is that they both work top down and bottom up. 
at the same place. So top down from the, you know, our cognitive brain to our emotional brain, our limbic system and to the brainstem and to the body and all the way down to our body and up means from the body to the lower parts of the brain, to the limbic system and to the cognitive brain. So it's parallel process. It's not one or the other. And both the EMDR and psychedelics really activate these both these mechanisms. And I think one more interesting correlation is also that therapy doesn't stop when the actual therapy session ended. So for example, when, when I do a psychedelic assisted psychotherapy and I'm trying to do it when I'm only doing EMDR without it is to have the client reflect on things because we're starting something in the brain, the brain we're activating in the brain and these insights continue. It, they don't stop when the session ends. So when, when it comes to the psychedelic assisted EMDR therapy, I want my clients to clear the day after that. Well, you're not doing it and going to work after, and you're not even making plans, you know, to, to go out with your friends. You take the time to reflect and journal and think about things. And maybe some of these insights can, will come later. Yeah. I think one more interesting correlation, Laura, is that we're getting into the unconscious with both. Mm-hmm. I think with, with, with EMDR therapy and with psychedelics, we're getting access to, to places that we don't usually get access in our mind. And I think that's, that's the goal, right? Carl Jung said it that until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. I think that it, it's important that we are getting into this unconscious material and then do something with it, process it. That's my personal bias as, you know, as an EMDR therapist and consultant. I agree with you about that too. So this sounds exciting and promising. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really encouraged about all of the different ways that people are bringing these medicines to healing trauma and really being intentional and, you know, using an integrative approach because, you know, it seems like from what I hear, when people have negative experiences with psychedelics, when they're trying to use it for healing purposes, the the main issue is that lack of integration work. Right. Right. Thank you for bringing it up because I mentioned three parts to a session, right? We're starting with just calming and listening to music and then we're doing processing and we, then we do integration. Another thing that I do with my clients when we're doing these kind of sessions is that next week, even if, you know, even for clients that usually don't see me weekly, next week I want to see you because I want to do another integration session because there's, there's the integration of, all right, we did processing and now we're integrating, but there's the integration of what happens next week that, you know, what, what other insights did you have? And oftentimes people do. So I, I want to see them the, the following week after we're doing psychedelic assisted EMDR therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's so valuable. And, and like what you said about when the session's over, the work isn't really over because it's not like you just walk out of the office and boop, 
it's all turned off and you just go back to your life and, you know, do what you do. It's still, you know, landing and it's still working through. And as you move, it's moving right. through your system and, you know, the insights and even like walking is bilateral processing. Right. So right. can, can, can bring be. that. Yeah. 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 I, I think that a lot of times people have that ineffable, this, this experience that cannot be explained in words or language, but giving a little time can help integrate it into words or, or, or concepts as opposed to, you know, during the therapy, during the integration, sometimes clients can't really explain everything yeah it's, it's a lot you know sometimes it's 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 a visual experiences sometimes it's very strong somatic experiences every client is different that's the beauty of the work you this is part of the problem also with you know developing protocols for these these therapies because every client is different and every client will experience in a very very different way and i'm not I'm not completely against protocols, right? We need to have like, for example, safety protocols, which by the way, you know, underground guides who are not necessarily therapists, but have been doing this kind of work for decades, they have their, they have their protocols. You know, you're, you're not clearly, you're not having any sexual contact with your clients, but sometimes touch is actually beneficial now this is where you know our our licensing board might not be um agreeing with with that necessarily right like touching clients can be you know very sensitive subject but some a lot of psychedelic guides who've been doing this work see the benefit of holding the client hands when when you know when clients are going into you know these dark places and they need the support and again when someone is holding your hand is it's more than just saying words to you it's they're they're really they are there with you supporting you on a, a physical level so it's we need to have protocols. We need to have safety protocols. But uh, I think that we have, I, I don't know, in the world of EMDR, we have, I think, way too many protocols. And I think I'm starting to see a similar trend in psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. So, you know, some therapists will only treat you if you do six, six of these extended sessions in like the span of three weeks or something. It's, hmm. it's not, yeah. And like, first of all, who can afford it, right? How can we make it accessible? And second of all, it's just not realistic for some people. So some people, I, I can't imagine my nervous system could handle doing six extended sessions in two weeks or three, six yeah. weeks even. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, that it's sounds my nervous system. I feel yeah. overwhelmed just imagining that. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, we, we need to think about how we make this treatment accessible to to everyone. And that's part of the criticism on, you know, the protocols that were developed for MDMA treatment, again, which is in process. 
But right now, the protocol says two providers for, I think it's like eight or 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So who would be able to pay for that? Two providers, eight or 10 hours? Let's say they're not extremely expensive. It's still going to be an expense that most people cannot afford. So I think that that's another thing that we, we as the community of therapists need to think about how are we making these treatments accessible to as many people as possible? Yes, yes, that's, that's a great point. And I've also heard people say, I don't know how true this is because I don't know this from my own experience, but I've heard people on this podcast say that when MDMA is approved, that it's likely to be that the medicine, the pill, whatever brand has already put their patent on it is going to be, I don't know what form, if it's a pill or like whatever, whatever, but it's going to be expensive itself for the medicine. That's just the medicine. Yeah. So again, this is, I mean, I, I know I, I've done a lot of research on, you know, ketamine. So ketamine has been around since I think it's 1962. So it's been around for us. So there's no patent on regular ketamine. So now there's a nasal spray ketamine and this is patented. So this is a lot more expensive, but this is also approved by some insurances. So yeah, things are getting interesting in that area. There's always going to be, you know, companies that are for profit. And I think there are already some patents when it comes to psilocybin, which is crazy because it's a mushroom that grows in the yeah, wild. So maybe that has the been one. used. Yeah. Has been used for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And there are already patents. And I, I don't know exactly how, but you know, like with good lawyers and, you know, corporations can find ways to capitalize on that too. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's still, we know in the, the psychedelic assistive world, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed in terms of equity and the past criminalization and, but, but yes, it's very, very exciting and promising. And I'm thrilled that you shared with us today about how you're doing this. And it'll, I agree with you too, that, you know, it's such a strange time to be a therapist. And I think being a trauma therapist, it's also an amazing time because we know so much more and just what, you know, I hope I have 20, 30 more years in the field. What can develop? I mean, the the way things have changed over the past 10 years has been amazing. And, you know, it's only going to be more. So hopefully, unless something else comes to squash it, like, <laughs> what yeah, are we talking about? I, I think, I think this is a really, really good and important point because things will probably happen like they did in the 60s, right? So there was a lot of research in, in universities, it's not, you know, just kind of like a shady research. Right. It wasn't illicit. It was a lot of research. It was, wasn't illicit until people started abusing it. And once any kind of drug becomes available, there will be people who will abuse it. And we need to think, again, us as a community, we need to think how to minimize that. And I think every therapist who uses the, these medicines, needs to think about how we can 
not go there, how we can prevent that from happening, because that can be really, really hard because, you know, the media and again, going back to Nixon and the media will find one case and exaggerate the fear of what could potentially happen and ignore the other thousands of people who benefit from these medicines. So we really need to be mindful of that. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing in so many ways to help people heal from trauma and attachment wounds. There's so much need for healing and you're spreading your message through all the training you're doing through your book and hopefully other books that you'll write and courses and trainings and all that good stuff. So thank you, Rotem, for what you do and for talking about it with me here on Therapy Chat. I hope maybe we can talk again sometime in the future and see where things are then. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk to you, Laura. And thank you for what you're doing. I have to say one more thing that 2023 is an exciting time to be a therapist, not only because we know so much more and we have more and we have access to these technologies, but that we can do it together as a community. I know that you have, you know, a network of therapists that that people don't have to feel alone when, when doing this work. I think it's so important that we have a group of people that we connect with. This is this is that changes everything for us, for the therapists. And if we're not connected with a community, then how how can we be there in our best selves for our clients? So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, that's kind of like what I was thinking about. I know we have to stop, but just last thought that, you know, when you said what an exciting time it is to be a therapist, it is. And it's also a time when so many therapists are leaving the field. So, so many people are just exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed, feel like they can't do it anymore. And I want, I deeply care about keeping people who have, you know, who care about this, keeping us being able to do this work because there's, it's not just that we need more therapists, but, you know, the knowledge that people have. Someone who's been in the field 10, 20 years and says, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go and become a, you know, I'm going to work in finance. I don't blame anybody for making a change, but it's like, don't give up hope. There's, there is community. You have a free community for EMDR therapists. I have a membership paid community for trauma therapists, not EMDR therapists in particular, but just trauma therapists across the board. And there are other places where we can gather and whether it's a community membership that you join or just finding people in your local area or even online friends who you can relate to. We need that. We need that. Our relational connection and communalism is such an important aspect of being well as a therapist to be able to do the work that we do with clients. Absolutely. With that, we, I think, are not paying enough attention to because we're, again, going back to our Western American Mm -hmm. model of like everyone for themselves. But I think there's such an important role for to be in a community. So yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you and I are in community together now. And I'm looking forward to the next time we talk and tell people where they can find 
all these amazing things that you're doing. So if people want to learn about EMDR, so for EMDR therapists, a community okay. only for trained EMDR therapists, if you're in, during the training, we'll let people join. It's emdr-learning.com or you can just Google the EMDR learning community and join. It's free. We have amazing events, really good speakers. I'm really trying to to bring the the, the best speakers in the field of EMDR. EMDR Denver, it's emdr-denver.com. And this is where we do our treatments here in Denver with my business partner, Sarah Severino. And then The Art and Science of EMDR is my book and also the name of my website. If people go to the website, they can actually learn more about it. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of interviews I did with experts in the field. And if people want to learn about the book, I made chapter five, which is EMDR and mindfulness available for a free download on the website, on the book page. So people could download that chapter. I think that's it. Awesome. I'll put all those links in the show notes. And Rotem, thank you again for sharing your time with me today. Thank you, Laura. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.